Yo, what up, Ken folk? This your boy Smo, and you're listening to the HodgePodge Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Murph from Jokers. I'm here in my hotel room. There's my blankie. These things are not important. Here's what is. You've made a choice to listen to the HodgePodge Podcast. Not a bad choice, my friend. You are making good decisions in life. Subscribe now and anywhere that podcasts are available. Big Shrimp here. You're listening to Simulcast number nine, Big Shrimp Radio episode number 121, HodgePodge podcast. And as always on a Simulcast, I'm joined by producer Hodge. Hodge, how you doing? Man, I'm making it. I just took a shower, scrubbed the nutsack, and uh, we feel pretty good over here. Well, that's good to know, man. I'm glad you <laughs> scrubbed that nutsack. You never know who's going to be visiting down there. Have you, uh, me, not nobody for a while. Have you given any thought to the manscape? Uh, what's it called? Precision tools for the family jewels. Well, let's just say we're working. You know this. We're working on getting a sponsorship through them. I was someone that, or an artist that I know, um, actually got with me and asked if, I would be willing to promote them on the podcast. And so I've been back and forth with someone from their team. So hope that's not giving anything away, but not, not saying it's going to happen. Well, I wasn't speaking of a sponsorship. I was just asking, are you just watching them only or are you uh, grooming down there? (laughs) Let's get down with the show. Here we go. You started out. It's yours. Uh, (laughs) There you have it, folks. (laughs) <laughs> I made him I made him feel awkward once again. All right, uh so simulcast number nine. Um those of you that listen faithfully, you know that I, yours truly Big Shrimp, leads the odd episodes. The even ones are led by uh, producer Hodge. And we've got a lot to talk about today. Um by the way, as we record this, it's almost midnight Eastern time and um it has been Monday, February the 10th, the 10th, the 10th, and there's been this weird phenomenon with, with the way the Earth has rotated, and apparently it only happens once every few years, uh, but you can sit your broom up in the living room or in the kitchen or wherever, sit your broom up, and you have to tilt it in a certain direction, and the damn thing will stand on its own. Um an artist friend hit Hodge and I up earlier and said, check this out. It was pretty cool. Then I sent the video over to my aunt, my mom and grandmother. My aunt's thinking it's freaking awesome. Made a whole post about it. And then another artist friend um, and I were just talking about it. And she was like, she can't believe it. And then another artist friend and I were, so I, it's pretty cool. And apparently the last time that we know of that it's happened 
was in 2012. Hodge has been a party pooper. He feels like, well, I've seen other people do it, so I'm not going to do it. I know what it's doing. It's cool. But I'm like, yeah, but yeah. it's cool. Stay in your own freaking broom. Do it. But it is what it is. What so, kind uh, of enjoyment am I going to get out of my life of having a broom stand straight up? <laughs> it's standing up on its own, bro. It's not leaning against anything. Or it's not some type of a gimmick holding it or gluing it. It's just standing on its own. Again, what brings me enjoyment in that? I mean, I know it's something to do, but... Well, I guess you're just a... You, you are just an Ebenezer Scrooge in life, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm a 70-year-old guy in a 22-year-old body. Yeah, that's the... Uh, humbug. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. I just now got back from my... From another trip from Nashville, I think the last three simulcasts I have been... I've had a consistent theme with me coming back from Nashville yeah. and talking about what all was going on. Can and I stop you real gonna... quick? Because, because I want to ask the people something real quick. I enjoy your Nashville stories, but I think sometimes they overtake because that's, for the past three, three simulcasts, it's been you going to Nashville, 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 and then this one's Nashville. So I wonder, are the people tired of hearing about a long Nashville story again, because you know once they hear it over and over, they're going to get tired of it. So I just want to know: Are you? Well, if you're getting tired of it, hit us up on email, email us or whatever. Let us know. I can tell you, Hodge, that I've gotten some responses uh, from folks that have enjoyed it. Um, one guy in particular, he and his wife says that um, they get excited every time. Or the last one got excited because they got to hear a new Nashville story. And they asked if I would do another one about this trip because they get excited hearing about it because they never get to leave the house. And so at Nashville, it's on their bucket list, so they kind of get to live it through me. And um, I want to be transparent with the listeners so let them know what's going on and what I'm doing. And so, you know, I'll talk about it. But um, at Nashville, it's not just a vacation. It's not a vacation, really. It's It's work. And a lot of what's going on over there has to do with the podcast and my eventual moving back over there. And um, I had a couple of meetings. Um, I had one meeting at the Bay 98 WSIX radio station. I had another meeting on Music Row. I had a meeting with the record executive. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on those uh, when I talk about what all went on because a lot of that stuff is uh, still in the works and – um, confidential. But I will say that there is some cool stuff happening. So I don't know if anybody is getting tired of hearing about Nashville, let us know, but there are people that are enjoying it. Now, be that as it may, um, I do want to say at the outset really quickly uh, that today's episode talking about Nashville is going to be rather detailed, more elaborate than the last two. Um, that's a whole lot more happened this time. Yeah, guys, he sent me over. This is how different we are. I don't. I just have okay. We're gonna hit these points because we came on here before and sounded like fools. So I was like, we need to have what we're gonna talk about and put stuff in between. He sends me this movie script of what every single second 
Like I yeah, just I, I have a problem with OCD micromanagement. I have issues with micromanaging you know, OCD and being very obsessive and making sure everything is done or in a particular way. And if it's not, I will literally pull my hair out and go nuts. So and you, know. you are also very unorganized. I told I could tell that from tonight. <laughs> We I don't think so, to, dude. I've got this we were, laid listen, out in order. You, I'm telling you. You was like, okay, you get your stuff together, what you want to talk about. I'll get together mine, and I'll put it on a list. I send you over mine. Oh. An hour later, I call you, and I'm like, hey, are we ready to record yet? Because we were supposed to record at 9 o'clock Central. And you go, yeah, 10 minutes. And so I call you in 10 minutes. And then guess what you're doing? Writing the movie script out. <laughs> well, listen, listen, well. That's not being unorganized. That's a lack of time management. And I, there you go. Almost every hour of my life is accounted for. I've got, um, I've got this time tracker book. It's to the point that when I have doctor's appointments or when a physical therapist want to come over to the house and work with me, I have to say, wait, let me look at my book and see when I can schedule you in. My dad called me earlier today and he asked what I was doing tomorrow. I still got this, this, and this. And he said, well, he wanted to talk to you about something. I said, well, I can I can write you in. I can get you on a schedule for 3 p.m., but I can't talk past 4. 3 to 4 is all I've got. And so, and with my mother, the same thing. And so, if I don't do that, then my, I am very unorganized and nothing gets done. And so, um, yeah, and so I've not had the time to sit down and really – think about what I wanted to talk about on the simulcast and once I realized it was coming today I thought oh crap I need to start getting it all together that's what we did and so here we are simulcast number nine I want to say uh, quickly that um, those of you that remember Sasha McVeigh on a previous episode at the top of my head I don't remember which one it was on Big Shrimp Radio, a British singer-songwriter, now in Nashville, phenomenal artist, very talented. She is coming back on here in a few days. We are going to be talking about um, a petition she has going on. I think it has around 25,000 signatures on it right now uh, for safety for the artists of Nashville. Too many artists are getting robbed at gunpoint. They're having tens of thousands of dollars worth of instruments stolen from them. They're getting uh, drugged and choked out in the middle of alleys and having their shit stolen. And um, it's, a, it's a dangerous situation. And artists don't have any, a whole lot of safety right now that perform downtown and at various venues. And we're trying to work on that. I'm a believer in the petition, a believer in the cause. And... Sasha is a good friend of mine, and so we're going to have her on and talk about it. And then, um, you know, Hodge, there there is just something wonderful about being acknowledged when you can have folks that know who you are, that give you a hug, and you're going to be having a shitty day. We'll get into the story here in a few minutes. One particular night in Nashville, it was a shitty night for me. Horrible. Horrible. And I was really, really upset. And it all turned around by the end of, end of the night. 
because a few folks showed me some love, went out of their way, went out of their way to show me love when they didn't have to. We'll get into that. And uh, I don't know. It's it's nice knowing that people care, and and when they care, when they're not being, uh, when it's not being instigated, when they're not being told to care, when they genuinely show that they they give a fuck about you, it's pretty nice. And that's enough of me and my teases, Hodge. Um, what's happened to you lately? Before I answer that, real quick. Um... To the Sasha thing, I agree with that because I was on Face Facebook, I think it was. Um, one of my buddies, uh, he's been on the podcast before, Cole Jones, he put on there that his guitarist had all of his stuff stolen. It was like I think I think it was like twenty something thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. And so he started out this uh, GoFundMe page to get all this stuff back. And, yeah, so it, it is a real thing. It's not people just joking around trying to get free cash. It, it's actually really happening. Oh, um, no, it really is. And it, it's horrible. One of my good friends and one of my heroes, my honky-tonk hero, I call him, Jerry Hall Skelton, has had two guitars. And both of these guitars are uh, were personal personalized. Like They were... Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Created. Uh, they were one of a kind that 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 were designed and created by him and for him. No one else in the world has one like he had. He's had two back to back stolen, and now he's on his third one. And he's a wonderful guy, man. He's he's, he's nice. He, he's an honest man, and for folks to do that to him. That's horrible. Well, go ahead, Hodge. No, I was. Just, I mean, it is a real thing. People, yeah, people think that musicians are just trying to get cash, and it's 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 not. It's actually a real serious situation. Well, I want but, you to uh, think about this, folks. Think about this. You go to work, right? And you work eight hours. And you're on your feet. You're sweating. You're busting your ass. You're trying to please the customer. You get paid cash. Ten minutes after you get off, you got a few hundred bucks in your pocket for busting your ass all day. And some no good, low life piece of shit comes and holds a gun to your head and says, "Give me your cash." How would you feel? Now that's happening on Broadway right now, as we speak. And in other places in Nashville. And it's not fucking right. And it's time we do something about it. Do you know what, if that was to happen to me and I had a girl with me, do you know what I would say? Would you pull the heel move and jump behind the girl and use her as a body shield? (sighs) No, here's what I would do. (laughs) I would say, take my money, take my wall, don't take the girl. That's what I do. I'd sing that song. Oh, dear. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, but anyways, yeah. anyways, <laughs> uh, so on my movie script here, I see that uh, I'm putting all my stories first, so I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way, not that it needs to be out of the way, but mine and Big Shrimp's good friend, Brittany Bexton, her book is out, I've talked about it on my podcast, um, 
learning to believe again, 30 days to finding hope, faith, and comfort in God's truth. Um, I rolled through it in, what, about a day and a half. And I just yeah. wanted to take a couple of things here because I marked some of my, my favorite parts or chapters or sentences in a chapter, sentences in the book, because I didn't realize she kind of went through the same thing that I'm either going through or went through in a certain period of time. So um, let me go to the first page. This is from chapter one or day one. She, she has it in days. So uh, she told me to start it as a do it daily, but I don't think I will. But uh, she put, it's hard to trust yourself and your own judgment. It's hard to trust God when you believe he could have prevented a certain disaster, and it can be extremely hard to trust anyone else. I have been there. I have been in the darkest of places where everything I believed about my life was turned upside down, where the ones I love betrayed me, lied to me, and worst of all, committed fraud against my heart. Um, that, yeah, that hits hard for me because I do, you know, when I was growing up and we were struggling and even now, sometimes, you know, when I struggle and I'm trying to make ends meet, et cetera, et cetera, I do think, God, if you were really there and you really did, you really do love me and you really are there for me, why are you letting this happen? And for a while there, I would open up to certain people and they would literally just for all men say that's BS. You're not going through that. You're you're trying to say that you don't believe in God. No, it's not. It's not that I'm saying that. It's just I guess that's where trust issues come into play again. You know? And it was kind of cool. Hydra cutting out. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I didn't hear anything you said for the last five seconds. Oh, no, I just said that I talked to her personally, and uh, it was cool to see that we could exchange conversations back and forth about the same subject without, you know, anyone getting lost on it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting book. The reason she put it in days is because, um, and I get why you didn't want to read it all in each, read one day a day or one chapter a day, because it's an easy read. But the point was to read day one and to spend the rest of that day meditating right. on it with that on your mind and to really let that digest before you get to day two. But everybody uh, reads things differently. I was um, fortunate enough to be very hands-on with that book. I um, helped Brittany a lot with it, with uh, editing and with um, the layout of it. I got to read the whole thing probably five or six different times before it was fully published. I read different drafts, helped her with the scriptures that she wanted to use on using biblical grammar because for those of you that don't know and you wouldn't know by the way I talk, I dropped the F-bomb left and right. I am a lifelong student of theology and world religions, and um, I've studied the Bible, the Greek and Hebrew, and – I've studied church history and scriptures. I've studied a lot. And um, so me being the closest thing Brittany had to a theologian, which I don't claim to be one, um, 
Uh, she asked for my help, and I was honored to be able to help her. And though I am not a Christian any longer, um, I do think the book is beneficial and can help a lot of people. And so if um, you are somebody that's dealing with struggle, trauma, uh, brokenness, pain or shame, pretty much all the items in my clothes, my signature clothes on every podcast, if any of that's something you're dealing with, I think the book uh, would be beneficial to you, especially if you're a person of faith. If you're not, I think it could still help you out a little bit. But um, if if you're not a person of faith, uh, not as much as it would if you are, if you were a person of faith, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, Big Shrimp, I had something happen to me that's never happened to me before in my whole 22 years of living. Oh. I was escorted out of a place that you never think you could be escorted out of. So, I'm telling you the whole story right here. It's not going to take long. It's not that long of a story. So, most of you know my cousin um, lived with us for a short amount of time. Um, her and her husband was going through some problems, but now they figured it out, so now I'm back together, which I really love that. Um, but my cousin had a when she lived with us, I think her daughter was, man, she had to have been one or two, and then we had them for two or three years. So maybe till she was like three, three and a half, something like that. Um, so we kind of raised her with my cousin, not in the intentions of we can say, oh, we raised her. It was just when someone was in need, we did it, you know? Um, so we got really close to her. I guess she's kind of, I guess, I guess they're kind of like sisters in a way, which I don't really see it that way, but I guess that's what you could categorize this if you're trying to, you know, get an example. Um, but these schools, I don't, did you ever have, Big Shrimp, did you ever have, like, the um, world's finest chocolate bars to sell? Uh, uh, the ones that lunchbox, they'll memorize us a yeah. picture, too. Yeah. Let me tell you, Hodge, I I think I went to probably 16 different schools in my life, and North Carolina, Tennessee, um, and all over Tennessee, for that matter. And um, I've had to sell a variety of all kinds of stuff. I sell coupon cards, coupon books, sell tickets to events, sell chocolates. So, yes, and the world's finest, unfortunately, I had to sell those too. Well, they're starting to sell them, and they're raising money for us. I don't even know what it is, king or queen or something of their class or something. I don't know. But, of course, she was selling, so we were going to buy. And... My cousin was at work, and um, I was in town with my mom and grandma, and uh, she asked us, hey, will you come by and take the money to her classroom and get another box of chocolate? And I was like, sure, you know, there's no problem with that. I know I went to that school when I was younger. That was my elementary school. I know it. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. For context, so the folks know, for context, 
and we've mentioned it before, but in case you've not listened before, you've forgotten. Hodge lives in a very small town, a yeah. bit, and out in a rural area, so it's not like you know, been. Yeah, yeah, I've been. So <laughs> it's not like it's a school like I went to that had 2,000 students. Oh, God. Where, where you can easily forget who went there, you know. Like, it's obvious. Everybody knows who he is. So I, just to lay I a foundation my, before we get to what happened. Also, I think my graduating class, I think we may have had 60 people, 65 people, something like that, maybe a little more. Um, yeah, our, our graduation lasted, I think, four and a half hours. There was, I think, about, about 1,500, if I remember right, ooh. people that graduated in our graduating class. So, yeah. So, maybe I'm going to take a step back because right before Christmas, my cousin, she did this um, character train thing. It's where they take their favorite book and they dress up as that book's character and they do like a kids parade around the school so it's tradition they've done it in kindergarten since i was little um and so i had went with my cousin because everyone else was out I, I took off for the podcast took off for work to, to go um and i didn't realize they had redone the school like where you walked in to go to the office was no longer there they were knocking it down they were rebuilding the parking lot and so you had to go through different intervals to get to the actual office so fast forward to this past, um, last week and what you're hearing my mom goes i had never been in the school so i don't know where the office is or how you go in now since they've redone it and i said i went when they had the character parade so i know where i said you go right here yada 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 well, we go through where the fifth grade hall would be, and that was locked. So there was a sign that says to go to office, go this way, and we follow the signs to the office. And it said, there was one last sign that said office this way and was pointing to the right. And to the right, there was this, it was a building, but the building had a fence on it or a gate on it that said, do not open, do not enter. Um, and then there was like a railing type. And so on the back, nailed to the brick wall was something that said, office this way. Any smart person can figure out that's how you go to the office, right? And wouldn't you say so? Well, before you go any further, I would say that if there's a barrier that says not to go through this but the office is that way, I would assume there's a back way into the office, first of all. Secondly, I did want to ask you, I just thought of it. What if there would have been a sign that says, do not cross, you will get electrocuted? Would you still cross to try to get to the office? Well, now you just ruined the story because I never said what happened. <laughs> And two, no, you, you said what happened before you started telling the story. You said you'd never been escorted out of a place in your life. And then you but they don't know the what happened. I could have threw a rock through a window. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. To be fair, the other entrance was locked, so there was no way I could go through that way. Okay. So I went underneath the railing and went into the door. I passed three teachers. And two students, they saw me do it, and they asked, how are you doing today? They didn't say, why are you coming through that way? 
because obviously if you look at the signs, the signs is saying the office you go through this way, the way I went. So I go in and the first door, surprisingly, is the office. I was thinking it's going to be more dramatic and I go through a hallway. And uh, so I'm standing there and I look to my left and there's a cop sitting in a chair and the office lady is sitting in her chair and she looks up and she asks, how did you get in here? I said, to the door. <laughs> she said, <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, which way did you come through? And I pointed to my right and she said, oh, through the gate that says do not enter. And I said, no, I didn't go through the gate. I went underneath the railing. Oh, I said, God. I said, the other place was locked where you're supposed to go. in was locked. And she looks at me with this stupid face and goes, okay, first off, there are signs that show you where the office is. And I said, yeah. And it shows behind the gymnasium, which I parked and through there. I said, there is a metal sign that says office this way, nailed to the brick wall on that sidewalk. She goes, no, there's not. And folks, I don't curse. Never curse in my daily life. But you're going to hear me curse right here on the podcast. So you might want to get your recorder out. Never heard it again. You'll never hear it again. You never heard it before. When she told me that, there was something in my mind that ticked. And I said, she's not letting this go. So when she said, no, there's not. And I said, bullshit, there's not. I said, do you want me to take you out there and show you the signs? I said, I went through the car rider line, went through the fifth grade, went up to the fifth grade door. It was locked. That's the way to go to the office, ma'am. It's not there. It's locked. So how can I go through a place that's locked? <laughs> so I got in my car. I drove where the sign said, because there's no sign that says go through this way to go to the office, because you know to go there. But someone that's never been there, they're going to follow the signs. So I said, well, that, maybe there's another way to go in. And that was the other way to go in. If the door was locked, then I would have called the school and said, hey, both the doors are locked. I need to get in. But okay, I'm going to stop you. That's what I would have done to begin with. If it said not to cross, and I would have just called and called and touched my answer and said, well, I don't know how to get to the office. But it says not to come through this way. But the sign says I have to come through this way. The other side's locked. What do I do? That's what I would have done. But, well, aren't you just special? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, anyways, almost done with the story. So after I cursed at her, the cop kind of stood up. And this is surprising to me because we never had a cop on campus before. That just shows you how bad the school system has gotten in any state. And so he steps See, up. That's that's another difference. By the way, I've all we've always had cops ever since I was in okay. kindergarten. But Never. then again, then again, I I've always said not in a city. You live in a small little rural town, and and it is pretty scary that you have to have a cop in a little town mm -hmm. at your school. That that's pretty pretty messed up. Go ahead. So the cop stands up and says, "Sir, what can I help you with?" And I said, 
this lady is telling me that there are no signs up that says the office is this way. And he said, okay. And I said, there are signs. I said, there is a metal sign on the brick wall behind the gate that says, do not enter in the railing with the sidewalk that says office this way. Any sane person, except for that goody two shoes of an office lady right there, will enter that place right there. And he said, okay, sir. And I said, I, I said I'm dead serious. I said, I can sh- take you out there and show you. And he said, I have seen signs here before. He said, but the gate says, do not enter. And you entered, yada, yada, yada. I said, okay. I apologize for entering that way. I said, but <laughs> I'm entering this way because it said to. And the other place was locked. What do you want me to do? And so oh, I, was, I was fed up at this point. I mean, I was, I was hot at this point. And then the cop says, what are you here to do anyway, sir? And I said, I'm here to turn in my cousin's money for selling the chocolate bars. And I also need to get her another box of chocolate. Can you tell me where I need to go? And he says, so you got smart with the guy with the gun. Yeah. That's, that's smart, man. That, that's yeah. smart. Well, I'm never like this. Like, I'm always nice and kind. But when you get on yeah, my back, I, yeah. I just, oh, my God. But anyway. Oh, I, know. I know from experience. <laughs> I know. He, uh, he looks at the office lady. I know her name because she was there when I was there. But I'm not going to say her name. I should, but I'm not. Uh, he looks at her and says, ma'am, where does he need to go for this? And she says, there should be somebody down there by the cafeteria and a table taking money and giving out boxes of chocolate. And I said, <laughs> well, can I go there? <laughs> and, she's, and the cop looked and says, I love yes. it. The cop says, yes, you can. And he was, and I said, and I, before I walked out the office door, I opened it and I turned around and said, oh, can you have somebody go unlock that door so I can get out of it? <laughs> it shouldn't be locked, but yes, I'll go check. So I was like, all right. So I went to the lady, handed her my money, got a box of chocolate, and I turned around. The cop had followed me <laughs> to the chocolate station thing. And he said, come on, sir. We're fixing to leave. And I said, okay. And so he took me <laughs> out the door and oh, walked dang. me around the school and walked me to my car and said, have a good day. And I said, you too, and you need to get these signs fixed. God almighty. Try, try, try. Man, that's lesson. horrible. Here, here's, here's a lesson for all you schoolgoers. Learn, if, you, if you're going to put signs up, make sure either the door is unlocked, and two, you don't have a sign that says enter here, and there's a gate. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't that after lock. hours? No, it was freaking 1130 in the morning. On a school day? On a school day. It was like a oh, Wednesday. no freaking wonder they wondered what the hell you were doing. A grown-ass man in there with a bunch of kids. What? Huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was in the office. I had to sign a visitor pass. God, my This story is just too funny. And you're mimicking her voice. It's icing on the cake. <laughs> uh, I stand by my question. You didn't answer it. What would you have done if there would have been like an electrical grid and it said, do not enter, 
you would get electrocuted. But the sign said to officers this way, what would you have done? <laughs> well, first off, I would ask them, why the flip do they got a goddamn electric fence in an elementary school where the kids can get to? <laughs> That'd be my first question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, golly. Too funny. So, uh, well, just just a couple more things here I want to talk about, then we'll get to your your 76 scenes you got to go uh, in this movie script we got. So, it's the Pearl Harbor and the Titanic combined, by God. Six hours. <laughs> dude, I think it's more like seven or something. Because aren't they like three and a half hours apiece? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I like Titanic multiple times. I love them I both. I didn't care for Titanic only because the ending, and then in Pearl Harbor. I think it. I don't even remember watching it. I don't think. I mean, I remember watching it, but I don't remember if I liked it or not. All right, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole yeah, on I this know, simulcast know, because it's already long as enough. But if you want to simulcast ten, talking about uh, those two movies we can because those are both two of my all time favorite movies I've seen them both a hundred times each so okay. if you want to but if you don't it's simulcast 10 is yours talk about what you want to but uh, I'm going to. I think this one this one is long enough but yeah, I would it's, love it's, to it's be able to address to address uh, Titanic and Pearl Harbor if you're interested <laughs> okay yeah this was too long by far so uh... alright um I don't want to talk about Titanic and Pearl Harbor right now, but what I want to do talk about is someone that I look up to as a business partner or a business person, a business partner, a business, an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call this guy. He is um, one of my heroes in life. One of the reasons I'm doing a podcast. One of the reasons. How about creator? He's a creator. Creator. Okay, sure, sure. But he's still an entrepreneur as well. Just anyway, oh. shut up, dude. I, shut up. This is my guy next door. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were rambling, dude, but go ahead. Let you ramble one goddamn time on this podcast and watch me not snap you up. Oh, my God. Go uh, ahead, any, dude. Anyway, anyway. Mr. Irvine. Why do you do that to me? Why do you why do you anticlimactic everything? <laughs> Nobody knows who Irvine is. Oh my god! Oh, all right, all I'm right. sorry. One of my heroes in life. Don't apologize to them. What do they need to apologize for? We ain't done nothing wrong. I didn't burp this time on the podcast when I thought my microphone was muted. Okay. There's no reason to apologize for. Okay. Uh, all all right. right. So. Person that I look up to in the business and and any really any successful thing that I want to uh, achieve and go for, I look at this guy. He's one of he's probably my biggest hero over Bobby Bones, which is which is tough to say. The only reason I say that is because I knew of this guy before Bobby. Blasphemous, and brother. That's blasphemous. But go that, ahead. That was Chris Jericho. Um, a lot of you're like a wrestler. Are you serious? And I'll tell you why he's a fantastic business person. So he started on podcast, yada 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 yada. He had this rock band, and for a while, Fozzy, by the name, by the way, for a while they were just a band that had a wrestler in it. Like it was like, oh, that's the wrestler's band. They're probably not good. He's probably got a record deal because he's a 
you know, in the biggest wrestling company of all time. That's why he's got this record deal. That's why he's got that. Well, he left WWE, for those of you who don't know, and went to another company called AEW. Is now the current AEW world champion. And he is using Fozzie's theme music for his entrance. So he's using their song Judas as his entrance theme. Do you know how brilliant that is? He's taking yeah, Mark Barry. Because very. he's. Think about it. If you didn't know who Fozzie was, like let's just say you were just a wrestling fan, weren't really into the rock music, didn't really care, you wouldn't know who Fozzie was because it just doesn't have the name Chris Jericho and Fozzie. You know, it just has Fozzie on it. And so when you hear the song, you're like, wow, that song is fantastic. And so you download it, and then you realize that's Chris Jericho. And now this song is like 100 million downloads or whatever it is. And it's just this big, what he calls Judas effect, is that reason right there is he took Judas, and for some reason it never blew up until this point and made it the Judas effect. And he's brilliant because now he is finishing move. It's the Judas effect, right? With the the the, the spinning elbow type of like kind of like a um, the AJ Styles forearm, whatever it's called, the elbow. But um, but what I'm saying is he signed a deal with phenomenal forearm. It's what AJ Styles calls his phenomenal forearm. Go ahead. He signed a however long year deal with AEW. He's working part-time, world champion, is basically the face, the leader, whatever you want to call him, the legend of that brand. He gets to come out to his own theme music, make 10 times more money with his theme song being his own song. And let me tell you, that's the best Fozzie song they've ever released, in my opinion. I'm a Fozzie fan, and Chris Jericho is such a hero of mine that I've looked up to since I was six. I knew of this guy when I was six, but I was scared to say anything because he was a bad guy. And you're not allowed to like, you know, you're not, you know, when you're little, you're not allowed to like bad guys. You have to like John Cena or uh, Triple H or people like that. I like MJF, by God. <laughs> well, nobody Go cares. Like. I know. Kids don't like heels. They like the baby yeah. faces. I get it. So, I looked at it, and I was supposed to go. I was texting you, and I was like, "Dude, Fozzie and Chris Jericho are coming to my where 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 I'm from, 15 minutes down the road." And yeah. like, should I go see him? And you were like, "Are you a Fozzie fan?" I was like, "Dude, I've been a Fozzie fan since I realized it was Jericho like 10 years ago. I was like 12, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's that's Jericho. It's great." And I wanted to go, and I chickened out. I was buying tickets. I was buying meet and greets, which are very cheap, by the way. You get a 45-minute set, pictures and everything, for 150 bucks. And I yeah, was buying the meet and greets and buying a ticket, and I chickened out. I was like, there's no way, because what if Jericho is a dick? Because, he, because Bobby's different. People are like, well, you met Bobby. Yes, because he told me to. Jericho never said, if you ever see me, come take a picture. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like... 
because he's kind of in that K, he's kind of like the older people that like staying kayfabe. Like if he's a heel, he's not going to have merchandise. He's not going to shake your hand. He's not going to take a picture. And at this certain stage, he was a heel. And I was just so scared that he was going to upset me. It was going to ruin my whole, my whole career pattern that I want to go for. Can I interject and interject just real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're right. He, he is a heel and he's old school with this, um, uh, wrestling etiquette. But I think that he separates and knows how to separate his wrestling persona from his yeah, rock and yeah, roll one. Absolutely. And um, um, I think that he would have. Look, I, I have a really good friend named Kyle. Kyle um, and his wife, um, a year or so ago, drove from where we live here to Knoxville, the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, um, about two and a half hours away. And. They got to the venue, and you know it's a small venue. Fozzy isn't an A-list band, so they're not selling out big arenas. Right. And that's obviously why the um, meet tickets are kind of cheap because it's not like Metallica, right, or ACDC or whatever. But even though he's a huge legend in the wrestling world, and he could charge tons in a wrestling convention or whatever to meet him. Sure. Um, and when to music fans, they're not that big, so that's. But he, um, my friend Kyle and his wife drove all the way down there. They get to the venue, and it's sold out. They can't get in. And But when I say sold out, I mean like maybe three or 400 tickets, like not thousands. And so they're like, what are we going to do? And this is before Jericho, uh, before AEW became a thing. He was still a heel. I think he was working in New Japan, okay. and he was a heel. Um, wow, so not so uh, long ago then, was it? No, no, he was a bastard on TV. I mean, he was he was ruthless. And mm-hmm. they thought, well, we drove two and a half hours here. It's going to be a five hours round trip. Let's see if we can at least try to hang out where the bus is. And so there was a gate there, and there was a couple other people standing. And um, they from what they said, and I believe it because they got the photos to back it up, Jericho and his bandmates come out um, at the end of the thing, and his bandmates and him go up to the fence and um, have the security guy open up the little door, let them in one at a time to shake hands and take pictures. And my friend Kyle, his wife, had a Chris Jericho 8 by 10 for back when he was in WCW, uh, mm-hmm. when he was wearing the Lions, uh, the, the, the Lion uh, uh, tights, before he was, actually when he was the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll, when he was mm-hmm. using that moniker. Um, and he signed it, he was gracious, he smiled, and and um, very kind. Was, but then again, you gotta, you know, everybody has their bad days, so everybody right, has their good yeah. days. He could have just been on a euphoric high after having a cool show and just been in a good mood, but I would think um, for the if you ever have that opportunity again, I would go because from everybody I know that knows Jericho and I don't I know the listeners probably don't know, but you and I talk a lot. Like I've been around wrestling business all my life. I know a lot of wrestlers personally. Um, I know a lot of people that know Jericho. I've met him a couple of times. In real life, he's a pretty legit, pretty nice guy. So I wouldn't 
hold back. I would really try to go for it if you have that opportunity again because you only have so many opportunities, if any, to meet your hero. A lot of people don't have a chance at all to meet their hero. And that's what blows my mind about Bobby. Yeah. And I thought my hero freaking knows my name, he knows who I am, right. knows yeah. where I live, knows knows my number, knows everything about me. Mm. A lot of people have heroes, and their hero has no idea that whoever is adoring them even sure. exists. So if you have that chance to meet Jericho, I would do it. Dude, can you imagine when I, when I met Bobby for the first time? I couldn't. What? It's not really starstruck. It's just you've looked up to this guy for so long, and then he's here. You know, you know what I mean. Like not in a weird yeah. sense, but I, I he signed my book, dude. I couldn't even find the page where it was at. It was the first freaking page. Like I was just, I was like, oh, okay. Now, 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 what? Can you imagine what I would do if I met Jericho? Like, can you imagine what I would do? Like, I, I wouldn't be able to, to, focus. <laughs> Like this is what you would. This is this is a good icebreaker. You take a pen, you take a sharpie, and a cardboard cutout. You write A B O U T, and you say, "How do you pronounce this?" I'm mean, gonna Canadian. They'll probably say a boat. If it says a boat, you say, "You know, you <laughs> stupid idiot. It's about." <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the people that don't know wrestling, they're not going to get the reference. I know. Stupid idiot, but I guarantee you, if you did that, he would get a laugh out of it. But go ahead. Man, my, my hope was he would put me on the list if I was to do that. If he didn't put me, look, he can't do that now. I don't think he can do it legally because that's WWE's thing. What was the thing he had? Well, he AEW? says that people ask him. From the last time I heard, he says it everywhere he goes. Uh, that's the most over thing he's ever done. Everywhere, which wrestling terminology yeah. for non-wrestling fans, most popular, why do we accept a thing is, um, everywhere he goes, people still ask, can you put me on the list? And he's like, here's the thing, you can't ask to be on the list. I just have to be pissed off enough to put you on the list. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, well, now I don't even know what I was going to say. I was going to say, I had something important to say, but I guess it wasn't too important. Um, let's uh, let's talk to you off air. Let's skip this last one. We'll save that for uh, we'll save that for ten because we we already got a, a lot. We still got a lot more to do. Well, so let's let's cut the last. We probably just skip it all together if you really okay. want. By the time we get to ten, it'll be irrelevant news. All right, that's fine. Um, let's let's just skip it all together then. That's fine. But if you really just, do want to bring it back up at 10, let me know. We can still do I it. Just, but. I just don't feel comfortable doing it because you, you do I, – I just don't feel comfortable doing it. So let's – it's not that bad for those listening. It's not. It's just something that I don't really have the knowledge for that I thought I did and turned out it wasn't as big as a deal as it was supposed to be. So yeah, let's just skip okay. it all together. Well, yeah, yeah, we're going down a rabbit hole of nothingness. All right, well, I guess that leads to... Uh, You're 96 so pages much. with the rest of the movie, so I think this should be like, what, 40, 45, 50 minutes into the movie, so we got about uh, another hour and 45. <laughs> Simulcast 8, Big Shrimp May Love on an Island. Yeah, Simulcast dude. 9, Big Shrimp is off the island, and he went to the city. <laughs> 
right, Big Shrimp so, is making love at the um, bar. I hope. Oh, well, actually, I didn't put that in here, but for a quick story, yeah. at one of the bars I was at, Brittany knows all about the story, and she's just, just completely dumbfounded and disgusted. At one of the bars I was at, this woman was shit-faced drunk, um, probably in her late 40s, um, um, grinding away, dancing, found me, started grinding up against me, and I, I tried to calm her down, tried to get away, and before you know it, even though we both had clothes on, it woke up and two became one. That's all I'm going to say. Two uh, became one after it woke up and I felt horrible about it. I tried to pull her off. A security guy saw it and laughed. He thought it was funny. And so in a way, I kind of did uh, make love. It's not love. That's naked nasty in a club. But that's not important. That's irrelevant, folks. Um and yes, I will get tested. I, do, I get tested regular, regularly right. because I've had okay. a history. No, I'm just going to say it. I've had a history, a sexual <laughs> history. I'm not going to shy away from it. And I want to settle down and find a potential spouse. And I can't honestly do that without making sure I'm completely clean. So I am getting tested on a regular basis before I commit to somebody because I'm not going to do somebody dirty, wrong, or um, – you know, I just I want to be honest and transparent, and I'm going to encourage every listener listening. If you are um, promiscuous or what have you, and you're looking for Mister or Mrs. Right, do not go from living a uh, shameless or shameful lifestyle to just trying to settle down without any buffer. There's got to be buffer first of all for you to get clarity. There needs to be a buffer so you can get tested and make sure that you're clean. There needs to be a buffer so you know what you want, know who you are, you love yourself enough that you're able to reciprocate and love someone else because you have love for yourself, that you're able to respect yourself and respect your partner. And that there is so much, so make sure there's a buffer there and get tested. Always get tested, period. All right, so uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Wednesday, February the 5th, Thursday, February the 6th, Friday, February the 7th, up until 2 a.m. Central, 3 a.m. Eastern, on Saturday morning the 8th. Yours truly was in Nashville, Tennessee. So I got to Nashville about five hours from where I live. Um, got there, I think, about 8 in the morning, so I left here at 4 they're an hour behind. So, anyways, got there as I had a doctor's appointment Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday morning, stopped at Sonic, which I hate, by the way, um, before my ear, nose, and throat doctor. And got a breakfast bur- uh, burrito, which was decent, but I don't like Sonic food. My dad met me at the uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor because he Incidentally, my dad and my grandparents only live like two miles away from that doctor's office. And he knew I was close, and he needed help with this laptop and whatnot, so he wanted to stop by while I was in a waiting room, and he did. We got to hang out for a few. Took a photo. It's both on Facebook and Instagram. Checked it out. Anyway, so after the appointment, 
I went to my motel on in East Nashville to check in. Um, Brittany Bexton, good friend of ours, singer songwriter, artist, wrote the book. Um, Believe again. Her new single, Believe Again, is out or getting ready to come out. Uh, she wanted to hang out, and I knew I didn't have time to go to her place. Like I normally do because it's way out of the way, and I had so much going on as it was. So she had agreed to meet me at my motel, checked me up. We hung out for a little while, went to this ramen noodle place um, downtown Nashville. forget the name of it. Um, I got this rice bowl. She got these ramen noodles. Pretty decent. Then we went to Starbucks, hung out, um, trying to do some video uploading, some other videos I have on my phone, upload them to YouTube and charge my phone. And then she dropped me off at Paradise Park on Broadway. Um, because Sasha McVeigh, who I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, was uh, playing a gig at Paradise Park and Paradise texted. I said, hey, I'll be in town. I want to see you. And she said, well, here's my schedule. And that's what I do with different artists. I find out what your schedules are going to be ahead of time. So I can kind of uh, fix my route and figure out what I'm going to do on which day and how I'm going to stay at each place. I want to show love to the people that's been on the podcast, show love to my friends, and take some selfies, you know, and hang out and tip them. You got to tip them. You tip the band. So that sort of thing. And that's what we did. Um, they stayed a couple of hours or so at uh, Paradise Park, and she was phenomenal. And then I made my way over to the other part of downtown, Prentress Alley. And I want to say this real quick. People, a lot of people don't realize how special Broadway and Prentress Alley is. Chris Stapleton, before he blew up with Justin Timberlake at the CMAs or ACMs, whatever the award show was, I used to sit like two inches or two feet away from Chris Stapleton in Printer's Alley and watch him sing away on his guitar, playing for tips and a hat. Um, uh, Keith Urban used to play on Nolensville Road at a bar, and he also used to play in Printer's Alley and on Broadway. Uh, uh, Dirk Spentley as well. A lot of who you're hearing on the radio now got their start in these small little bars. That's how special they are. And you know what? There's only so much room at the top. I say it all the time. There's only so much room at the top um, when it comes to success and fame. Man, if y'all could go and just see the talent and just see and hear the voices, you'd be blown away. I mean, it's so unfair. That so many folks are so freaking good, but would never be known on a worldwide stage. And that, my friends, is the primary reason for the existence of Big Shrimp Radio, because I want to help bridge that gap. Be that as it may, um, go out to Printer's Alley because my friend Elise, her and I had a coffee date uh, the time before last when I was in Nashville. It might have been the last time. I don't remember now. And because I wanted to see her play, she said, yeah, I'm not playing right now. I won't be playing for a while, but let's meet up for coffee and hang out. So we had to do that. And then I hit up Elise and I'm like, hey, uh, want to go grab a beer, go to dinner, 
whatever. And she was like, uh, between work and everything else, yes, we can, but I can't confirm a date and time right now. However, I will be playing at Alley Taps in Printer's Alley. And gave me the time and the date. Actually, no, she didn't say that at the time. Now, she didn't get the gig. She didn't get the gig till the day of. And then she hit me up and said, hey, I'm playing. If you want to come check me out. And so the day of. And so normally by before I even get to Nashville, I already know everywhere I'm going to go, who I'm going to hit up, what I'm going to do. But she hit me up the day of and said, hey, if you can make it. So I had to cut my time with Sasha McVay short. I stayed there for two hours and then went over to check out uh, Elise. Otherwise, it had at least not hit me up, and had I not known about that gig, I would have just stayed with Sasha the whole time. And Printer's Alley is so iconic, so legendary, so special. But, folks, it was the middle of the night. It had been uh, sprinkling snow. It was freezing cold, pitch black dark, a lot of sketchy folks out in the alleyways. And earlier we talked about safety with the artist. Man, it would have been so easy for somebody to jump out and mug me and rob me. I had cash on me. You know, I had a couple hundred bucks easily that could have been easily taken. If I was some girl by myself, somebody said they grabbed me and raped me, robbed me, killed me. And, man, it's scary. And Alley Tats, by the way, is not in the touristy part of the alley. You go through the touristy part. I mean, you go to, like, parts unknown, Hodge. You go to this other part of the alley where there's no doors. It's all wall, and it's pitch black dark. It reminds me of the TV show Hey Arnold, the cartoon. Pitch black, scary, scary is scary. You can see a light off to the distance, and that's on this other side called Commerce Street. Anyways, walk halfway down through this other part of the alley before you even get to this door that's not even a door. It's like a cave. When you walk in, the whole thing's like a cave. It's clearly a vacant building, I think, that's just been decorated and turned into this little place where riders go and do riders' rounds. Get in there. I finally feel safe, but I asked the bartender, I'm like, hey, is there not another way out of this building? I'm not comfortable going back through the alley. She said, no, unfortunately, that's the only way. We all feel creeped out by it, but right now, that's the only way. I got to see Elise. We hugged. We talked. She looked amazing. She sang wonderfully. Uh, God Almighty, I've never, I've not seen very many people when they sing and perform that they do so with such passion and joy and happiness. I mean, this girl makes you believe she is happy when she sings. Music makes her happy. And she's coming back on a podcast, by the way, in a couple of weeks to promote her new single. And Hodge, I may get her to come. Are you even listening to me, Hodge? <laughs> Yes, Hello? I am. Yes, I'm listening. Oh, my God. I thought, damn it, he's left me to talk alone. I may get her to uh, come on your podcast as well to promote her new single. But, um, okay. Yeah. Just she, uh, I will. And so, anyway, so, yeah, I said, Elise, and then she does her thing and it comes off stage and hugs me again, and we talk for a few minutes. Taking this selfie, and she was joking. Like, this time I'm wearing makeup and I'm all dressed up. We had her coffee thing. I wasn't fixed up and whatever. And I said, no, you don't need to make up. You're gorgeous either way, and I mean it. But, uh, oh my God. 
Well, anyway, so Sasha McVeigh, I turn around, and Sasha McVeigh is right behind me with her guitar on her back and her band crew. They just finished up their um, gig at uh, Paradise Park on Broadway and made their way over to uh, Alley Taps. And she's just, hey, oh my gosh, small world, you know, in her uh, cute British accent, hugs me and she's just laughing. It's just the funniest thing in the world. And it is pretty funny. It's ironic, the irony. And her step is going to be next. So if you've never been to a writer's round, they have like four or five people to get on the stage and they play one at a time. Somebody says, this is the song I wrote. This is what it's about. And they play it. It's very intimate, very vulnerable. It's not a rocking stage like you in a bar or at a concert. It's vulnerable, stripped down, laid back. Hodge, I think you would really love Riders Rounds. I like them a lot too. Anyways, um, I was ready to get out of there for one because it was already it was it wasn't going to get but colder outside, and I hate the cold and. I just wanted to get the dreadedness of the creepy alley over with and get out, get a lift, and go all the way back to Broadway. So that's what I did. Went out to Commerce, got a lift, went back to Broadway. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, went to my church, as I call it, the Honky Tonk Central. I refer to it as my church on a corner of Fourth and Broad. Uh, my freaking jaw hit the floor, folks. My jaw hit the floor when I saw for the first time a band called Nash Up. It consists of a lovely young lady named Sarah Spicer and a guy named Christian Lee, both of which are coming on a podcast soon. I believe at least. Uh, right now we're just working out the details and logistics trying to get everything together. Uh, they're phenomenal. Phenomenal cover band. Very entertaining. I loved them. The bartender server, who I often have, but I don't know Honky Tonk Central. One of my favorites there, her name is uh, uh, Megan. You can't go wrong with Megan. And, uh, of course, there's another one named Taylor that I like a lot, too. They both take care of you well. They're prompt. They're very courteous, sweet young ladies, fine young ladies. And then there's this other one named um, Tara, who has been to Honky Tonk Central since way before I even started going there. She's been there probably, well, I started going in 2013. She's been there longer than that. And she's seasoned. She's a very good server as well, bartender. So if you're ever there to Honky Tonk Central on a first floor main stage, you can't go wrong with uh, Tara, Megan, or uh, Tara. I will say there's this guy. He's a ginger. He's a redhead. I can't remember his name, but I like him. I think it's Tony. I might be wrong. He's kind of annoying. I'm not a big fan of his. And no, it's not because he's a dude and the others are chicks. It's not why. <laughs> but he'll come up to you and take your order that you want to close it out now? You want to close it out now? Or do you want to leave it open? And I'm like, dude, I don't fucking know. I just ordered a tea. I want to eat in a minute. Well, okay, you need to pay for that tea now. What? Give me a card or to leave it open or pay for it now. I'm like, what the fuck? Where when Tara, 
I guess because Tara knows me because Tara has seen me since 2013. Tara takes my order, takes my drink order, then takes my food order 30 minutes later. And then two hours later, after I've done eating and drinking all I can handle, comes out and asks if I'm good. Then she gives me the bill. Oh, this prick. I don't know if he's been done dirty by patrons or what, but he fucking demands you pay him right then and there. And then when you want a fucking refill, he doesn't even – he's nowhere to be found. And then once he is there to be found, he's too busy taking care of everybody else to give you a refill. And then when he gives you a refill, he just throws it on your table, and it sloshes everywhere. And it's happened to me more than once with this guy. <sighs> Anyways, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's just maybe stressed at work. I don't know. I'm not – if I ever have this guy again and he's listening, I'm not trying to get you to spit my food or my drink, man. <laughs> We're cool. It's just slow your roll a little. That's all. Slow your roll a little. But anyways, and I'm not trying to get you fired or get you in trouble. Just slow your roll. But I prefer to have one of the other ladies, as I mentioned, for many reasons. But one of them being they take care of me better than you do. And – Folks know that I pay, I tip well, and so they know that I'm not going to fuck you all over and run out of there without paying $3 for a sweet tea or $10 for my freaking fish, uh, fried catfish. You'll get paid, pal, and you'll get a tip. I promise. Just slow your roll. That's why you bring a sandwich and a bag of chips. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I like the food a lot to Honky Tonk Central. It is pretty good. And anyways, we're going down another rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. So um, that is that. I don't remember exactly what happened afterwards. At some point, I ended up leaving. I know I didn't stay over too late because I had to get up early the next morning. I think I stayed till midnight or so after I had time to talk to uh, Sarah about the podcast and get a photo with her and Yada, yada, yada. I get back to my room, go to bed, Thursday the 6th to wake up. My rheumatology appointment had been canceled for the morning due to insurance stuff. Pretty confusing, but it was canceled and actually postponed to next month. I believe it was a month after that, so... Um, I why is this is this the morning my dad met me there no no my dad met me there no god bless it now my notes are messed up Hodge and it's your fault alright I'll take the blame all right. Anyways, so do you know what this feels like? Do you know what this feels like? I'm going down the script that you're reading off of and adding more to, and it feels like I'm the kid that had that one line in the beginning that was like, "Just take it," and then now they have to read the whole entire play <laughs> to other people because they don't have nothing else to say. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways. Yeah, I think it was Thursday morning, the next morning. Yeah, it was because I told him, I said, listen, my appointment 
that's been canceled. So he comes over. We hang out that morning at my motel room. I help him with his computer and with his laptop, which apparently he's got a virus on. He has to get it worked on. And uh, we hung out for a little while. And then he left. And then after that, I uh, get a lift to make my way back over to church, Honk and Tonk Central. I walk in and I see this cute little blonde that was uh, walking around with a tip bucket collecting tips. That um, uh, immediately uh, informed me that she's in the band. Well, you know who won the pony? She comes up, we start talking, and uh, what do you know who won the pony? Miss Bridget knew exactly who I was. This is becoming a common occurrence in Nashville, whether it's guests, tourists, or artists. People know who I am through the podcast, and it feels so fucking good. She goes, this is Bridget, are you Eric? I follow you and your podcast. I've heard so much about you through my friends. Like, what is this life, folks? I'm like, oh, my God. She grabs me and hugs me. We take a photo together, and I'm like, what, you want to come on a podcast? She says, yeah, I'll do it. And I talked to her earlier today, and she's coming on in a couple of weeks. And um, this podcast is not even – it's barely half a year old, and it's getting recognition. It's such a wonderful feeling. Just back to what I said at the beginning, to be recognized and known, to have folks show you some love. It feels good. And so, folks, pay it forward. If you see somebody out there that you that you recognize or whatever, you've not seen them in a while, be kind, be friendly. If it's even if it's somebody you don't like, smile, say hey, how are you? You don't have to be their best buds. You never know what a smile can do. But you're gonna find out that um, the next night it turned into hell, then it turned into heaven because a few folks showed me love. Be that as it may, and I digress. Uh, Richard had the ten to two shift, ten a.m. to two p.m. shift. And I'd gotten there, I think, 120 or so, so I got to hear a couple of her songs before her and her group started to pack up. And then a two to six ship comes in, and it's my boy, my hero, my honky-tonk hero, Jerry Hall Skelton, and his crew consisting of Joshua Wayne Black on the guitar and the best pure voice I've ever heard in my life, coming from the lovely, the beautiful, and the talented Landon Lingerfeld. Uh, they tore it up as usual. Landon sang Pam Tillis, maybe it was Memphis at my request, and of course she did so flawlessly. Then a six to ten consist a six to ten shift consisting of Jackson Caps, who just simply has it, the it factor. It can't be taught, can't be bought, can't be mimicked. He's got it. And a lovely Courtney Ray. Both of which are coming on a podcast soon as well. I only had time to stay for a few of their songs because Brittany was coming back to get me. By the way, she lives like 30, 40 minutes away from downtown Nashville. But I had forgotten my phone charger in the car the night before. Or not my charger, my earbuds, sorry. And so she was telling me back to get me, but she was like, I'm not driving all that way just to drop them off. I want to hang out. I said, fine. So we ended up going back to Starbucks on 21st Avenue so I could charge my phone. She could work on, get some work done on her laptop. And then we went to dinner at this pizza place on Broadway called Two Boots Pizza. 
it was okay, not great. One of my pizzas had vegan cheese on it. The only reason I died is because it was pretty. It had all these pretty colors of veggies on there. The other one was okay, either size. It was regular cheese. It's like a four cheese pie, white pie, or whatever. Nothing special, but maybe during the day when everything's hot and fresh, it's a lot better. I don't know. And uh, so we eat there. Then she drops me back off at the church, Punkatonk Central, on the corner of Fourth Abroad. Uh, but by the way, prior to getting me, Courtney was making her first round of tip collecting, taking song requests. Brett was already there to get me, so I had to hurry my fat ass to the other side of the bar to uh, throw my tip in quickly before waiting 20 minutes for Courtney to make her way back over to me to my side. I talked to Courtney for a moment. She was wearing this cute denim jacket, and it was so funny. As I said, is that the jacket that girl made for you from New York? She said, yes. I said, yeah, I was there that night when you stopped her in the middle of your set, said, I'm obsessed with that jacket, and where did you get it? And the girl says, I made them. You went nuts because she makes them. Y'all exchanged info, and she made you one. She said, yeah, this is it. I love it. And it was a cute jacket. So we talk, and uh, uh, confirmed her interest in coming on a podcast. We talked about it before. She said, yes, hit up Jackson, and we'll come on. Of course, I hit up Jackson. We're talking about it right now, getting it scheduled. Then she and I took another picture of how to use the bathroom. Then I hurried outside to meet Brittany. She'd been waiting forever. She had to pee, too. She fussed at me the whole time because she almost peed on herself. But I was like, I had stuff to do, and I had to pee also. So it is what it is. Anyway, so we go eat, Starbucks eat, and then Brittany drops me back off. And I walk in. And the freaking showman, like I don't have words to describe. He and my dude Tyson Haynes are neck-to-neck when it comes to showmanship. But, yeah, Anthony Oreo, O-R-I-O. It's Oreo like the cookie, but it's O-R-I-O, not E-O. Oh, my God. I've not seen in years. He just happened to be playing the 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. closing gig. Obviously, I only have to stay for a couple hours. But I made sure to leave a tip in a bucket when he came by. Got a pick with him. Gave him a business card. He's going to be on a podcast soon as well. Uh, I regretted years ago not getting a picture with him. I can't remember why it didn't work out. This time I was I'll be damned if I don't. So I got one with him. And uh, then I got to request a song. One of his originals called Walking on Whiskey. Folks, if you've never heard Walking on Whiskey by Anthony Oreo, O-R-I-O, the video is on my YouTube at Big Shrimp Radio. It's also on Facebook, Big Shrimp Radio. But you can also go to Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your music and listen to it. Walking on Whiskey, it's the fucking jam. I'm telling you. Hear me now, quote me later, and then thank me later. Anyway, so I didn't get to stay to 2.33 o'clock for the whole thing. I had to leave early because the next morning I had to check out of my room, head over to the dermatologist appointment, to finally get these damn skin tags cut out of my head. I got two. They missed one or third. I've got to go back next month to get the third one cut out. And um, and the address, we had to address this weird yeast issue I have behind my ears. And I get to scream for that. So it's Friday the 7th. I get up. Uh, and 
went to the doctor and then dropped off my luggage after this. So I took my luggage to the doctor. I couldn't stand wet, but I was pressed for time. Went and dropped it off. I met up with a couple of friends I've not seen since 2013. We went to lunch at the House of Kebab on Thompson Lane. It's a phenomenal Mediterranean, Middle Eastern place. Definitely worth going to. It's kind of pricey in a way, but it's so good. We left there, and I went back to my church, Honk and Tonk Central, and put her forth abroad to catch the final couple of hours of Hoss and Landon Lingerfelt because I wanted to make sure to get another another picture with Hoss because uh, I failed to do so the day before, but I did get a picture of Landon the day before, which was a really cool picture. Check it out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but I wanted to get one with Haas, another one. So I got one. And then uh, Landon comes by, hugs me. We talk for a minute. She's like, what do you want me to sing for you? Such a sweet girl. I said, all right, yesterday you was spam to us. Maybe you was Memphis. You destroyed it today. I want Rebit McIntyre fancy. She fucking destroyed it. Destroyed it. I still got that on video. Check it out. Dude, Derek, uh, there seems to be a lot of hugging going on here. You know how I am about germs and stuff like that. It seems like there's a lot of that stuff going around. Especially yeah, they don't just hug. The they, they, listen, 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 listen. Yeah. If anybody's listening, I don't <laughs> think Hodges is mean or rude, okay? No, Hodges, it's not like they just around hugging anybody. I have this camaraderie with them. you got to remember that I've been seeing a lot of these people for years and years. I've been a fan for years. I've been a, an avid supporter. I started the podcast because I want to help um, get their name out there even further. I want to help them, and I love them. I, God damn it, I believe in them so much. I love them so much. I mean, my heart just cries when I have to leave Nashville. My soul hurts because I have to leave, and I, and I leave the people behind that I love so much. And so, yeah, they hug me because they respect me. They like me. They love me. I love them. They don't just hug anybody. They, I probably wouldn't just hug you unless you made yourself known to them that you love them. But Another thing weren't... we don't have in common. I can't say I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, they are uh, they're not dumb people. If they see you're kind of standoffish or you're not interested in being too uh, – they're not just going to force themselves on you. Why would they do that? So, anyway, so Landon and I hug, and she destroys uh, Reba. Fancy kills it, kills it out of the park. And then, damn it, I lost my place. Okay, and then, um, um, yeah, this girl's got the best. Uh, authentic, pure voice, period. After their two to six was through, I got there like at 4.30 or so, and they finished up at six. Courtney Ray and uh, Jackson Caps come back to do the six to ten again, which, by the way, Courtney the day before said, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. So a couple of months ago, or last month, whenever I saw Courtney for the first time, she completely and utterly destroyed Lizzo's uh, Truth Hurts. Fucking destroyed it. And I thought, oh, my God, my jaw hit the floor. But I couldn't record it, you know, video, because first of all, I'd already missed half the song a second. I was just too flabbergasted. And so 
As soon as they, they're on stage getting set up, I run up to the stage, give her a $20 bill, because that's the standard tip or song request. Now, if you don't leave a 20, they'll still play their song usually, but anyways, that's the rabbit hole I'm not going to go down right now. Gave her a 20, and she said, hey, today, can you please do Lizzo, Truth Hurts? And she laughed and said, of course. Murdered it. Murdered it. And saw some on video. So, uh, she does uh, Lizzo, Truth, Lizzo, I don't know how to pronounce that name, Truth Hurts. And, man, this is where the story takes a turn for the worse. So... Uh, da, 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 da. All right, tested it. Can be seen at BSR YouTube and Facebook. So as soon as they had finished that song, that's when all hell started to break loose for me. I started having phone charging issues. Look, y'all, I fucking love the Honky Tonk Central. I call it my church. I'm going to be getting it tattooed on my freaking body soon. I've even spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in the last seven or eight years at that bar on food, drinks, and bands. And uh, I've sent them several customers and repeat customers that otherwise didn't plan on going to Broadway, let alone the Honky Tonk Central, or at least didn't have a desire to. I went all over the fucking building trying to charge my phone. One outlet by the door next to the ATM, but it was freezing cold, snowing, and there were a ton of people coming and going. And so I wasn't going to get to use that one. I went to the bathroom and asked the bathroom attendant. Yeah, bathroom attendant. It's a guy that sits in a bathroom, and he uh, puts soap on your hands for you, gets your paper towels for you. He's got condoms, um, candy. Mint, mouthwash, cologne, all kinds of gimmicks out on the table. You take what you need, you tip, you throw it in a bucket. This dude probably makes like 500 bucks a day easily. Just sitting in the bathroom and talking to folks. And, of course, he knows me by name because he's seen me for years. And he says, hey, man, what's up? And say, hey, look, do you got a outlet in here? And he charge my phone. He says, no, but I just went out in the hall. I'm like, hey, man, how about one of those stools? You know I got a bad leg. He says, yeah, no problem, dude. Take that stool. Took that stool, go out into the hallway. Five minutes later, freaking security. And I'm telling you what, man, fuck the security guy. I mean it. That ginger that I mentioned earlier had me running all over the place looking for an outlet. Fuck him. And everybody else that gave me a hard time, fuck him. I mean that. And I love the Honky Tonk Central so much. But I was so disappointed. My legs were killing me. I was in pain. I was weak, and I was tired. I needed to charge my phone because it has shit to do. And back in the day, they used to uh, – back in the day, they used to take my phone back to the bathroom, plug it up for me, let it charge. Now they won't do it. They say they can't take anybody's phones. I don't know what happened. I finally found one particular booth over with a chair next to this makeshift. Uh, booth, closet thing, office, whatever. And 
I waited and waited for a guy, a manager or whatever, to come over to the door so I can say, hey, my charger is six feet long, special charger from Amazon. Can you please plug it in? I'll keep the phone in my hands. Just plug it in so I get some juice. Nah, man, I can't do it. Fuck you. Oh, and by the way, yeah, that's what happened. So I had my stool out in the hallway. People are always coming and going. Five minutes goes by. Security comes by and takes the stool away. Says, you got to stand in charge, dude. It's a fire hazard. What fire hazard? You think I'm not smart enough to see if there's a fire to get my fat ass off the stool and go out the fucking door? Anyways, now I'm getting hot, folks. I'm getting hot. So, uh, how much shit? I need to get juice on my phone. I look on my phone, and Starbucks on 21st Avenue is still open. They don't close till like 11 o'clock. I paid $20 to take a fucking cab all the way to 21st Avenue to go to this Starbucks to get juice on my phone. I get juice out of my phone. I leave. I make it back all the way back to the Honky Tonk Central, by the way, because I was going to Dirk's Whiskey Row, Dirk's Bentley's Bar, which, by the way, is not really his bar. It's a bar that leased his name, so it's getting royalties off letting his name be on a bar. He has no association with a bar. I'm sorry. If I get in trouble, sue me. But that's the reality of the fact, if anybody wants to know. Anyways, so um, Abby, Abby Cash, uh, I think she's the 16 of The Voice. Team Kelly Clarkson made it to the top 24. Been on a podcast before. A good friend of mine, her and I text and talk every now and then. I'm like, hey, I want to see you. She said, I want to see you too. And I'm like, where are you playing? She said, Dirk's second floor. I said, cool. I get there. Two long ass flights of steps. You know how I, how I, my legs get hodge. I'm a hurt, and I'm almost crawling up there. I get up to the top. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm spaghetti-eyed. I can't really move. There's this obese, greasy, four-chin, fat-ass, white dude, mouth-breathing, greasy-looking dude, sitting in a booth, all spread out like it's a fucking bed. And by the way, these booths, are designed to see like 12 people or so. Like they're huge. And they're for parties. And he's got this prostitute escort hooker with him. How do I know she's a hooker or whatever? Because she's like 22. Uh, pretty hot, especially for him. And all over him. And it's obvious. So she's there with him. And obviously the dude's got money. And uh, I'm like, hey, can I sit here in this booth? And they tell me to fuck off, so fuck you, fat fuck, and fuck her. They tell me to fuck off. I'm spaghetti leg. I mean, I find this other booth. I go sit down. I'm by myself because the couple that were there just got up. I sit there for a good 20 minutes, get some good video of Abby, and then this other girl that was with her. That's also going to come on a podcast. Um, her name is Jordan. Um if it's not Jordan, please don't kill me. Uh, I'm getting uh, foggy-headed right now. Delirious because I'm really tired. Anyways, both girls, phenomenal voices. And um, let's see. Where is that? Let's go. Anyway, so I barely make it over to the front because security comes over and kicks me out of the booth. They say, we got VIP coming. You got to go. 
And I want to know who this VIP was. I wonder if it's an artist or if it's a record executive or if it's just somebody with a buttload of money that rented out the place. But they kicked me out of the booth, started kicking people out. They had strippers up on top of the stage, and they had pyro going off and fireworks going off inside the building. Abby had to rush out. We all had to rush out and leave. I'm hobbling down the steps. I met Jordan, whatever, got a picture with her, got a picture with Abby. Jordan's not coming up on this. Abby is... Abby and I talked. She'll probably come back on later on down the road. But anyways, the security guy is watching me, making sure I'm leaving. And he sees I'm struggling. He doesn't give a fuck. I almost fall. I get down the two flights of steps. And then security lets me out this other side door. And then I hobble my ass back over to the Honky Talk Central. And... I was so frustrated. I was in pain. I was like, man, this night's been a hell. Fuck this. And then it all got turned around to happiness because a couple of folks showed me love, and they didn't have to show me love, folks. They didn't have to show me love, but they showed me love. Let me tell you who it was. Sarah Avalos, the best rasp you'll ever hear in your life. Wonderful young lady, recently married, good friend of mine. She's surprised to see me. She's making her rounds doing a tip thing. Comes up, hugs me, and she's like, hey, oh, my God, da, 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 da. We talk, we hug. And then she goes on stage. And then my boy, Josh, uh, Josh Page. He, and he comes up from behind. He gets, he gets through playing a couple of songs, surprises me, comes and bear hugs me from behind, grabs my shoulders, massages, and like, hey, bud, what are you doing? You know, like, so good to see you. We take a cool photo, throw it up our west side. If anybody wants to know why we threw our dubs up, yeah, go back and listen to our podcast episode, Josh Page and I, because we talk about uh, the whole ordeal with the West Side. It's pretty funny. Did it for the photo op, and then uh, what do they do? Anyway, so I stay there. As they were doing the uh, 10 to 2.30 shift, and then I ended up leaving about 2 to come back to Johnson City. Um Oh, God. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but that's pretty much the gist of the trip. And because those two folks showed me love and shouted me out from, and gave me hugs, and it really turned my horrible night into a wonderful night, and I'm so thankful. Uh, between getting to meet Abby in person, what a special young lady, getting to meet and hear uh, the other one, uh, Jordan, I believe her name is, in person, um, and then the love shown to me from Sarah Avalos and Josh Page, it really turned things around for me. But that is that. That's the movie script. I know I've rambled. I've talked. I try to talk fast, get it through quickly. Uh, what's your close, man? <laughs> or do you have anything you want to add? Do you have any questions? Anything you want to say before you close it out? I am tired. Yeah, I feel you. It's midnight. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's late. And I got to get up in four and a half hours to go to work, come back, and put this podcast together. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just All do right. a close. Uh, let's see. I do a few. Okay. <laughs> Dude, you can tell how, how mind if I am. I, I um, Frown less, smile more, because when you smile more, you frown less, and everyone is happier. So you could be having a crappy day, 
and someone just smile at you and it makes your whole day. So I always end it with uh frownless. Yeah, whatever he just said. <laughs> and uh yeah, for real, y'all. That that's powerful. You never know how strong the smile is. Those folks smiling at me turn my whole night around. I mean, put me in a good mood. Anyways, as I always say, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. For some of us, unfortunately, we got less of them left than we do yesterday's. Life is a journey, and whatever hindrance or roadblock, whatever drama, trauma, negativity, struggle, pain, shame, or guilt, lay it to the side and get to stepping. Live your life and live your truth unapologetically. Aspire to inspire before you expire. And as always, until next time, you've been listening to Simulcast number nine with producer Dylan Hodge and yours truly, Big Shrimp, on the Big Shrimp Radio episode number 121 and a HodgePodge podcast episode number 252, both of which belong to the HodgePodge Productions. Uh, as always, you've got a friend in us, not just me, you've got a friend in Hodge too. Just don't hug me if you see me in public. He's weird about germs. <laughs> hug me all you want, by God, as long as you don't have poison ivy and bed bugs or anything like that, or rash. I'll Before take, uh, people freak eyes. out. Before people freak out, it was a joke. I was making a joke. I know. I know. I'm playing off the I, joke. I know, I know you know, but a lot of people, uh, you know how they are. Hodge, Hodge is a friendly person, but... Uh, no, how are they, Hodge? We know how they are. How are they? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Hodge is a friendly person, uh, but he he is kind of he is a germaphobe in a way, and, and and rightly so. But so is Bobby Bones, our hero. Um, so before we sign off, I'm gonna share this last story about Bobby. The first time I actually got to meet him, meet him at MTSU. Like we went through this whole like 20 second thing of awkward. I stuck my hand out. I pulled my hand back. He stuck his hand out. Then we put our elbows up. I was like, man, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of a German folk, too. And I really was worse than I am now. He says, yeah, me too, man. He says, sometimes I just want to do the elbow, like the chicken elbow. Chicken wang it. <laughs> and then he goes, nah, for real. And we, we uh, uh, shook hands and parted ways. That's a funny little tidbit. But anyways, um, yeah, get a friend in us, and we're signing off. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>